welcome back to the Golden Hurricast, a weekly podcast covering Golden Hurricane athletics at the University of Tulsa. I'm Ryan Token. I'm Matt Rechting. And I'm Pat Fox. And we are just coming off our loss on Thursday against Houston, and we'll get to kind of a game recap in a bit, but some news fresh off the press today, I think, um, as of Tuesday, we're recording. Philip Montgomery said in his press conference that Seth Boomer is going to remain the starting quarterback. And he got his first start, if you'll remember, on Thursday against Houston. Did pretty well. We'll get into that in a little bit as well. Uh, But he said in the press conference, quote, Right now, Seth Boomer is going to be our starter. He still has a lot to get better at and learn from, but we're going to ride with him right now and allow him to continue keep growing, continue to keep growing, and get better. Um, I thought he... You know, he showed some signs of greatness out there. He also looked like a of real greatness. freshman. He did. That I mean, there were there were flashes. Some, some of those passes, like that first touchdown pass to Keenan Johnson, was that was that was a great pass. He yeah. got away from a bunch of rushes. Like he was moving around, looking good. So he looked like he also greatness. He, he also looked like a real freshman at times. He showed flashes of like he was so lucky in the first half that like I don't know what they were doing before the game, but every Houston offensive back just like slipped in butter. <laughs> And just couldn't catch a ball. Yeah, but his third quarter was really good. Second quarter was pretty good as well. Fourth quarter was bad. Um, but generally, I mean, I thought there were there were definitely moments in there where he looked he like a, a great quarterback. He had a good game for his first start, yeah. But greatness? Maybe not. Goodness, maybe. <laughs> Some signs of goodness. Slightly above averageness. Yeah. I see that. So are you, got, are you happy then that he is going to remain the starter? Or what do you think? And what do you think about his first game in general? Uh, lukewarm, no pun intended, <laughs> that he'll remain the star, the starter. I just, I thought, like, I'd rather have him than Skipper, I guess, but I'm still not like, oh, man, like, our season's saved. Right. I still think it's like a, I don't think he's showing, I don't think he's showing anything yet that says he's going to be the starter, like, this is his freshman year or whatever, he's going to be the starter for the next four years. Right. I, I, I'm more excited. That's probably the bad part is I'm more excited about that Zach Johnson Baylor transfer. Zach Smith. Zach Smith. Yeah, yeah. sorry, Zach Smith, the Baylor transfer than I am about uh, Seth Boomer right now. But that's also that, like but just because your professor said he looked good or like the yep guy exactly. You. <laughs> but also it's just because the grass is always greener. And it's like I don't know. It's just true. Boomer he had a, he had a decent game, but he still like didn't complete fifty percent of his passes. Yeah. He should have had like four interceptions and he still had two turnovers. Yeah, so, two fumbles, one lost. But he did. He escaped the pocket. He, he didn't run well, but he had a lot of times where he escaped the pocket under pressure and um, made some throw. He, he threw the ball downfield well. Definitely better than Skipper, but yeah. still, the below, especially the under 50% completion, is what worried me the most. I mean, it's the right call that we start Boomer at this point because he's got the most passing yards in the game. So far, right? He's the, this is the first game we've actually had over 200 yards. I as far as I know. Passing. Yeah, because yeah, I think Skipper's high was like 195 against Central Arkansas. And so the nice thing with that is he did really well in the deep ball, which, I mean, as we've talked about in the past, a lot of Skipper's balls looked like they were underthrown. Um, and so, I mean, of his, he had 13 completions uh, for 227 yards on the day. And... Five of those were for 20 or more yards. And so, I mean, that's a large, almost half of his passes ended up going for, like, they were deep, yeah, which was good. Uh, and I like that, but I do think we need to work better in the short to, like, midfield area. In Boomer's and, defense, I think feel like a lot of that was on the coaching staff. Because, like, the one, one of our Twitter followers said, Tulsa Hop, like, our run, our offense was literally... Hey, we're clearly gonna run it a hundred percent of the time because we did it every first and second down. So really, first and second down is when you would do those short to medium passes. Yeah, and so we we ended up being in like generally third down situations where I mean, at that point you kind of know it's gonna be a pass if it's too long or if it's three yards. We're hundred percent gonna run it again, as yeah we showed. I actually I'll just I will disagree with a point you made earlier. Token he had a really good first quarter, uh, especially in that first drive. And he had. An over- I would not say the first drive was a good. It was a good drive because they didn't pick it off two times. Yeah, that was his best drive of the quarter, though, until the third quarter. I don't think he had that great of a second quarter. Our offense in general didn't really do that much. We ended up getting two field goals in the in the half because Houston essentially gifted mm-hmm. like those turnovers to us. Like we picked one off and we started on their 
40 maybe, and we had three plays. The other one, I think, uh, let me, the other field goal, uh, we did okay on third down. We did. He had like some really great third down passes, which mm-hmm. was big because it'd be, I want to say one was for like 26 and one was for maybe like 19. And so those were great. Um, and I, those were in the first quarter for that. But then we kind of like, I talked about it in the past. We kind of just like disappeared a little bit. We had a lot of three and outs. We had that fumble. We yeah. had a uh, punt, and then we ended the half on like a sack. And so there wasn't really a whole lot of excitement in the second quarter, which is kind of, I mean, we're used to at this point. And then boom, second second half comes, and it's like, all right, well now he's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and then fourth quarter happens, and it's really bad. So I would say he had probably like. I would say he had had three or four good drives uh, on offense, and then I think a lot of the other times we put ourselves in a bad position with running or just like there were a couple where I was going through and it's like incompletion, second incompletion, third down incompletion. <laughs> so it's not. I think there's room to improve for sure, and but I think it's the right choice. I'll just reiterate. I don't think going back to Skipper at this situation is going to help us. I don't know if I expect him to save our season because I don't know what that even means at this point. It means me not sleeping in a dog bed. (laughs) So if saving our season means making a bowl game, then I would say I don't see him doing that because I think there's no way we would peak at four wins at at best. I think. But if you say he's going to save our season by giving us hope for next year that we could be like competitive again, then I would say yeah, he's doing that because I feel like this team like I have confidence in our personnel. Except for, like, our, I'll say our players. Right now, some of the decisions on the coaching side leave me a little confused, and I don't know if I have 100% confidence in that. But it's some of the play calling and then just the turnovers are really what kill us. I mean, other than those two things, we're not a bad team. We've been competitive in a lot of these games. It's just kind of disappointing to not be able to win any of them. Yeah, and some of that, I mean... With Seth's kind of rocky performance in the first game, you know, everyone just chalks it up to him being a freshman, which is fair point. Uh, but still, you want to see... You know, I just want to see some consistency out of our quarterback. We haven't had that at all. We didn't have it with Luke Skipper, and we didn't have it in game one of Seth Boomer. Uh, but, you know, he is a freshman. Maybe that irons itself out. If we have consistent yeah, I mean, play with this defense, we should beat, like, most yeah. teams like Temple... Even like a game like Absolutely. that against Houston, if we had a consistent quarterback, we should have won. Yep, definitely. Yeah, I mean, just to like, I mean, we harp on 2016 and that, you know, weird to call it era of Tulsa football. <laughs> but I mean, Dane Evans wasn't great when he started. He was not very consistent. And so not to say that I think Seth Boomer is, is going to be the same kind of quarterback that Dane was. But I think just looking at it at one game and saying that, you know, maybe he's not the consistent back, we, we don't know yet. So right. maybe South Florida will find out. I don't know. I still think even two games isn't enough to say whether someone's going to be consistent, especially as a freshman year. But that brings me to another point. Um, you mentioned it earlier, Pat. We have this Baylor transfer who's he's not eligible this year because of transfer rules. But uh, 6'4 guy, Zach Smith, is going to have two years remaining uh, when he comes in next year. And when you're Montgomery and you're trying to bring in someone like that, you're, you're telling him that he's going to be the starter. That's why he's going to transfer uh, to your school. So even if Boomer does really well this season and we win like maybe three more games out of our remaining five, do you think that he keeps the starting position? We've got this Zach Smith guy on the sideline. Um, so even if Boomer is doing well, do you think he keeps the role? Or is Zach Smith a done deal? I think Zach Smith would be the favorite going in next year. But I don't think it'd be... If, if Boomer plays better than he did in this game for the rest of the season consistently, then I don't think it's a done deal that Zach Smith would be the quarterback. I think it'd be a, a competition probably favoring Smith. Yeah. yeah. I think regardless of what happens, it'll be a competition. I don't think right. Boomer's guaranteed anything unless he's throwing like 400 yards a game, like three touchdowns type, in which case, like, yes, people would be furious if he didn't start next year, but I don't see that happening, and so there's, I would say there's almost a 100% chance that there's going to be a competition. Yeah, I don't disagree that there I, – I definitely think there will be a competition. It was more of, like, is it pretty probable that Zach gets it either way? I don't – I don't like, I don't know what the answer yeah, is. Yeah, I don't, I don't like the idea of you, like, 
going with someone just because you said, oh, hey, you'll get to start. And I know it's like giving your word about that, but then if that puts the team in a worse position, I don't like that. Yeah, and definitely. so if like Boomer shows that he's the better one, Boomer better be starting, right. not Zach. So that's, but I mean, we'll see, when it, <laughs> see that when we come to that next year. So getting back to just kind of recap on the Houston game, we ended up losing 41-26. I think the score was 26-17 to in the fourth quarter. Is that right? Yeah, right, right at the uh, beginning <laughs> of the fourth quarter. Yeah. So Houston had 17 points in three quarters of play, and they ended with 41. Why do you guys think we collapsed like that in the fourth quarter and we had those tur- two turnovers and everything, but what sparked that? Well, the De'Aaron King 61-yard run. Yeah, didn't help. Right. He broke out on that. That started it. But I thought the play that changed. I think Toka would agree. I don't know if Matt would, but like I think he actually would too. Is that Corey sure. Taylor? Yeah. The third and one. Corey Taylor clearly injured, and we don't take him out. And they hand him the ball, and he's like trying to get a first down. Good on Corey Taylor trying his hardest. Right. He's limping though. He, yeah. He's not. Gonna be, first off, he could have seriously injured himself. Right. If he got hit harder going into that, like he had a. I think it was an ankle injury. Yeah. Like, he could have seriously looked up like. more. Yeah. And plus, like, he was not going to get the first down. How do you not take him out? And uh, I know Brooks is out, but Devon Thomas is having a fine game. Third and one. Devon Thomas could have got that third and one. Javon. Javon Thomas? Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Javon Thomas. <laughs> um, yeah, he could have. I wonder, like, part of me, obviously, I think, I, I tweeted out, I think that it was a bad, you know, obviously a bad coaching idea, but part of me thinks that also... Is, does some of that lie on on Corey Taylor at all? Because we still there were like 15 seconds left in that play clock. He could part of me thinks that he should have just walked off the field and like forced the coach to put in another guy. He wouldn't have made it off the field in time. No, they would have had a call timeout. Time, yeah, which I mean, I guess he could have. I, I mean, he, he was. He could, you don't he think he could have jogged off the field? He should have like laid down been, on the ground. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah. That's, 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 and I mean, that's not. It's definitely not his fault. I mean, he got up because he's a competitor and he wanted to be there. But, I mean, if he's injured, he just needs to, like, go down at that point. Yeah. And that's the only way. Because I don't think Montgomery can see through, which, I mean, it's Montgomery's responsibility to know when his players are hurt <laughs> and not be putting them into a position to hurt themselves again. Right. But it's tough to, like, see through 22 bodies to, like, see that a guy's limping. But, yeah, that play, huge momentum shift. Taylor had been going, like, been awesome all game he had 33 carries 154 yards something like that yeah incredible Uh, four and a half yards per carry so he's doing awesome and then that happens that kills our momentum the momentum momentum was like instantly switched over to houston because they had 61 yard which i mean that's that play i mean i feel like he's gonna beat you Big at least one time. Once yeah, that happens. Game. He's a great quarterback. He's gonna get you once. Yep. And we still had, but we still had the lead after that. We were still yeah. up twenty six, twenty four. Right. At that we point, were. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yep. So, it's really just our response to that is what hurt us, and the fact that we had like we put our defense out there with like two of our drives. The two, the interception was on the first play of that drive, and the fumble was on the third play of the drive. And so those two drives accounted for maybe thirty seconds. Of playtime, and so our defense was just out there all the time. <laughs> but if you ask the announcer of that game, they were getting gashed by Houston <laughs> yeah. because they had two like seven-yard drives to score touchdowns, and that's all on the Tulsa defense because yeah. they're trash according to Greg McElroy. It was unbelievable. The nine, yeah. A nine-yard and a twenty-yard, like that's all. Like, those, that's how short you I can't know. get a shorter field than that. Yeah, and so like it's not like we held like the best or second-best quarterback in the conference to under two hundred yards passing. Right. Yeah. And it's, I mean, this. there were a lot of drives this game that each team had 16 total drives, eight per half. That's a lot. And especially, like, towards the end, your defense is already kind of getting gassed towards the end of the game. Uh, and so putting in, them in a situation where they're back-to-back, like, on the field, that's tough. Well, that's the problem when you have a fast-paced offense that doesn't get first downs. Right. <laughs> it just eventually yeah, tears down the defense. It's like, we talk about, like, Tulsa needs pace. Well... When you, how many three and outs do we have this game? Like I don't know exactly, but a lot. And that constantly puts the defense out there. And I, like we said, 17 points in the first three quarters, that's awesome. But, I mean, we've seen it time and time again. Um, they, like the total defense, just gets gassed in the, in the fourth quarter. Like Texas had like that eight-yard drive to end the game. So did Temple. Yep. So did Arkansas State. Like it just happens, and now it happened with in the fourth quarter against Houston where they had to go out for those short fields over and over again and just get beat by them. Yeah, I think if we, like, 
don't turn the ball over and we at least punt it on those, then that gives our defense, one, a little bit more time, two, a lot more space to breathe and to play defense. And so, like, we could have taken time off the clock. We could have done a lot with that. But our offense kind of, like, we just shot ourselves in the foot. And it's like, it yeah. didn't give the game away, but we threw it away. Yeah, and going back to kind of how we shot ourselves in the foot, especially with that Corey Taylor run, um, we ended up just talking about it right before the show. But uh, I was watching the Mizzou game on Saturday after we played, and uh, it was raining like crazy at the Mizzou game. And the coach's headsets ended up breaking. And so the, the coordinator up in the box couldn't talk to the head coach on both sides. So both offensive coordinators had to and defensive coordinators had to come down to the sideline and kind of communicate with their coach face-to-face. And the disadvantage to that the, the announcers brought up is that you don't have the nice bird's-eye view of everything going on on the field all the time, and you're watching from the sideline, which can obscure your view. And so if Montgomery, you know, he, he's, he calls all our plays. We don't have an offensive coordinator. So if he's there sitting on the sideline watching everything with a side view, maybe that's why you miss something like a Corey Taylor getting hurt and not being able to run that play. And in that vein, do you think – like, I know Montgomery loves calling the plays, and he's done that for years, and he wanted to keep doing that when he came here. I'm sure that was a contingency when he took the job. Um, but, man, like, sometimes you just think, God, can't we put an offensive coordinator up there and just you teach him the Baylor style and we just run the same thing? I mean, um, if but we're how like, hard is that? If our offense is performing like this, we should probably get an offensive coordinator. <laughs> you think so? I mean, yeah, I, I, mean, like, I, I feel think like so, too. That's the one... The, I feel like the main problem this year is the offense, and the one major change you could make is bringing in a new <laughs> offensive coordinator. Yep. Uh, what yeah. do you think the chances of that happening are? I actually think they're pretty good because I think it'd be like that's how Montgomery would save his job. Right. Yeah, I could see that too. Matt, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. No. I mean, I would agree. Uh, something's got to change for sure. Um, just looking at it, I ran through just like. On our first downs, I actually asked this question um, on Twitter. You guys saw that, uh, just to Kelly Hines. We run the ball on first down so much. Like I talked, I think we talked about this after the Texas game. Like we like how often do we? And it was a lot. And so I did it again this time. We had 33 total plays on like first down, and of those, eight of them were passes and 25 of them were Jesus runs. Christ. <laughs> so it's like set, that's a 75-25 split right. for runs. And that just, I feel like that just makes it really easy to, like, play defense against. You're like, hey, um, they're almost definitely going to run this. Let's just stuff the box. And our running backs actually did a pretty did a good job of getting yardage. Um, so we you know, were able to play it well, which is nice. Um, but I think it would be a lot better for us if we passed it every now and then on first down, not only because we would maybe catch a team off guard if they're not, if they're, like, trying to stop the run and then we're actually going to pass it and I think it would help like the short down like we talked about earlier we we might actually get the shortage on or the short yard or medium yard passes but also like if they're not stuffing the box like if they're not putting all their linebackers on the line to like block the run then when we do run it there's a lot more room for Taylor or Brooks to actually go forward. So I guess the technical name for our offense is, yeah, we're totally going to run it 75% of the time, not 100% <laughs> if we're getting technical here. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, speaking of the offensive line, I, I we've been kind of down on them, and everybody has justifiably, I think. Uh, but I feel like they played really well. At least at least they kept Ed Oliver himself in check. Maybe not the rest of the you line. The, you see the picture? Um, which picture? The picture of us blocking at Oliver. We literally triple teamed him. Yeah, that nice. was our that was right. our defense against that Oliver. But I think I mean it was a lot of times. I think it was Tyler Bowling. Not a lot of times. Sometimes I know it was just him on on Oliver though, and I think he shut him down pretty well. I think he had mm. one QB hurry, no sacks. He had one QB hurry, but he had thirteen tackles. He was really good against the run. Yeah, sure. Well, you're not gonna be able to totally contain that guy. Yeah, but. that's true. So he did a good job. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he contained him. I think Ed Oliver still had a really, really good game. Well, sure. But when you're playing a G5 school like Tulsa, yeah, it's going to be tough. But I think we did pretty good. He actually came out on Twitter and said um, – I, I, he didn't say this. He said it in a press conference. Kelly Hines tweeted it. Uh, said, hats off to those guys. I've played them three times now, and every time I've played them, it's been a battle. So no, he's got some respect for the line. I think I don't think they played bad at all, but so Oliver still a good game. But yeah, they did, they did a good job and they did 
better in the run game. I still pass protection still iffy. Maybe that's partially Boomer holding a little too long, but four sacks again. Right. That's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the difference is. I should probably look these stats up for the podcast, but <laughs> we've only, I know we've only sacked the quarterback four times on the year, and we had at least four in that game. So I think the difference between how much we get sacked <laughs> and sack is pretty bad. Oh, we're, we're breaking the record, though, right? For that's, Oh, that's, that's, no, that's just Gibson. He's got like two on the year, or one and a half, I think. So he's still got a shot. All right. It's only 11. Let's hope. All right, do we want to do our players of the game for this game? Sure. Okay, so I'll start with offense, and maybe we all have the same one. I can, I don't know, we'll see. So, yeah, so I picked Corey Taylor, second, um, had the 33 carries, 152 yards, uh, average of 4.6 a carry, which is awesome. Would have been uh, higher if you didn't have to run it that one time with like a sprained ankle. <laughs> Would have been. And he got, when did he get hurt? It was pretty, was it, it in was the fourth the quarter? The fourth quarter. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I hope he's okay. Um, but man, great game. Got banged up there at the end. Hopefully we don't lose him and Brooks. I, that's what you asked Kelly. Yeah, they're, right? bo- they're both they're both listed as day to day right now, uh, so we don't know a whole lot of details. But the thought is that at least Brooks will be back because he was a game time decision last week. Okay. And so good point. An extra week, but Taylor, we're not gonna know. Yeah, yeah. I saw Taylor. At least the good news was on him was it wasn't a high ankle sprain. So that'd be a lot worse. It was a lower one. Because if we didn't have the, both those guys, it'd be Javon Thomas and then like TK Wilkerson, true freshman. We're definitely trying to redshirt that guy. So I, you can play four games redshirted now, though, so that'd be fine. So eh, we'd probably be okay, but not nearly as good. I'd like I'd like to have at least Brooks or Taylor. Definitely. One of them's got to be there for sure, or else I'm yeah. a lot more worried. Yep, same. My, yeah. oh. you know, mine's also Corey Taylor. He had, it was a career high rushing day, yeah. and he was just. I mean, especially against uh, like I know it took three guys to stop him, but against a player like Ed Oliver to run like that, he did a good job. Um, probably our best rushing performance of the year by any running back. I think so. Yeah. I agree. No, he's and he's shown he's been like probably the most biggest surprise player so far this year on offense. Most consistent too. He's, yeah, I think he's been more consistent than Brooks. He's only a sophomore, right? Yeah. Hannah and Brooks are both true sophomores, which is nice. Dang. That's awesome. Yep. Taylor was mine as well, so we're all in agreement. God, I hope we're not all the same on defense. Somebody else start with defense so I don't leave this one off and probably all this. I'll start it. I'm the same as I am every week. It's a Caleb Evans again. Nice. Because they don't throw at him. He's literally, he's, <laughs> like, we have the 15th ranked pass defense in the country by yards per game, and he is the best player in that pass defense. I would have given it co with McKinley Whitfield because I think he does a good job in safety. Yeah. But that 61-yard run, I thought a lot of that was on Whitfield. He missed. He didn't contain the edge on that. Yeah. So the one big play he gave up. But Evans, once again, did a really good job. I mean, what's that guy? Marquez Stevenson? Yeah, that guy's He's so was good. He, was he leading the American receiving for the I game? I think so. Yeah, yeah he had seven he's, catches for 41 yards. Yeah, like, he dropped down to third in the conference. Dude, it's nuts. Game. Like, I know he's, he's great, Evans, and it's just weird to me that people don't even challenge. Like, they barely challenge no. him anymore. And, like, so De'Ara King, he, I mean, I think either him or Mills are the best quarterback in the conference. He had 165 passing yards, two interceptions. That wasn't Evans, that was Edmondson. But so Evans, once again, just, like, taking away the side of the field. I mean, and you can see, because they were challenging Robinson on the other side. Yeah, absolutely. Which I'm still, he had, a, Robinson had a decent game. Yeah. That one touchdown was completely on him, but he also had that fourth quarter. Yeah. Uh, or not fourth down, sorry, fourth down breakup in the end zone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they went at him like the two times in a row. Is that the same yep. series of plays? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So they went at they went at Robinson because they didn't want to go against Evans. Yeah. And they went at Hill, too. It wasn't just Robinson. They yeah. went at everybody who wasn't Evans. Right. Yeah, I mean, his, his stat, you look at his stat line, he had three tackles. Like, oh, he didn't do much, but literally. Yeah. Shut him down. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I'd like to see, like, how many. Well. I wish we had all 22, the access to, like, that kind of view of the game to kind of watch him play by play. Yeah, same. Mm-hmm. But like if you watch, that's where you could really see his effect on the game. You can't see in the in the in the box score what he does. Yeah. But he's a big dude. I'm I'm curious to see if he has an NFL future because I don't know like uh, he's speed. only a sophomore. I know. Right? I, yeah. So like two years from now, but his speed, I don't know how much his speed will translate. Yeah. But he has size. He's six two. He's huge. I mean, if you keep you can't keep him out of the NFL if he keeps playing like that. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so my defensive player, I'm going to go before Token because I know I just yeah. know he's going to pick the same guy. Uh, Mr. Primetime, uh, <laughs> Cooper Edmiston, yeah. had his... Is Thursday Night Football on ESPN really primetime? Uh, yeah. When, when 7 p.m. on a on ESPN? On a weeknight? That's yeah, primetime. Prime time. Thir- when is Thursday Night Football? Primetime. <laughs> so that's his... So he had another pick this week. 
Um, it was actually like it was a miracle that it happened. I mean, there was something <laughs> mystical about yeah. it going off the foot of. Uh, Houston receiver. Every interception and non-interception in that first half was a miracle. Yeah, it was a miracle that Houston dropped every single one, <laughs> and that Edmondson got that Just one off the shoe. Bounced it was amazing. Into his yeah. hand. That was awesome. Yeah. That was also. I mean, not to talk about that, but we also had that we fumbled it. That Houston recovered. Oh my like gosh! Should not have been. Was like barely out of bounds, and his foot was touching the ball, and so we got to keep the ball back. That so was a smart play by Keenan Johnson. Yeah. He knew exactly what he was doing. I think I saw Dane Evans tweeted about that play. He was like, "Now finally, the Houston refs are repaying us for the calling." So Fifteen players on the yeah, field. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, that interception. He had ten, seven, seven tackles. Right. Yeah. Uh, he had four solo and one half, uh, half of a tackle for a loss. Right. Yep. So he had a he had a good game. Uh, hopefully, I mean, we play Friday night, which I will consider prime time again. Prime so, time for like high school football. Yeah. Yeah. So let's see it. I'm a hot take. He has two more this week against South Florida. Against the Alabama quarterback, huh? Who do you think will have more people in attendance? The TU South Florida game or like the Jenks game? Jenks. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, Probably high Jenks. school football. I don't know. It's a ranked team. So yeah, but it's maybe still, that brings it's people out. Oklahoma high school football is like. I know. That's or you, whichever one's like, bigger. Like, I don't know. It's like Junior Jenks. Yeah. We will see. Uh, I also had Cooper Edmiston for all the same reasons. That's original. So. That's my first Cooper pick. I've never picked him as my defensive player of the week. So it's it a is big a, deal. It's original for me. That. <laughs> it's a big deal for me. I, I gave it to, I think, Cannon twice. And I think I've gone Cannon and Cooper. That's it. Uh, okay. Special like teams. Um, special teams. Uh, I was going to go with Nate Walker, and then I didn't. Um, maybe a mistake because he had a great game. I picked Sam Crawford, who was the freshman receiver who took – Three returns. I think it's the most he's had in the game. And had 63, 63 yards on those three returns. And he looked really good. Looked more confident, I think, than Jerry Anderson does out there when he's taking the punt returns and kick returns. Um, so hoping to see more of Sam Crawford in the return game. Was Anderson out there at all this game? He, did he have, I didn't. Like, he had no catches. Maybe he was backing him up. And yeah, he had a punt return. Did he? Okay. Yeah. It just seemed like he was not there was Crawford the one who had that he returned it all the way to like Houston's 40 and then it got brought back because we were holding yeah that one killed us well that was awesome but that was a clear holding call that broke that run yeah (laughs) yeah you don't talk about those things Pat yeah I complain about the refs I gotta say when they're right (laughs) yeah it's true no not if it hurts your team (laughs) true every ref hates Tulsa yeah uh, so my special teams I will go with Nate Walker nice this is Definitely his best game of the season so far, yep. four for four on field goals. Um, so he was our most prolific scorer of the day, 12 <laughs> points. Um, yeah, not much else I can say. I think he's definitely turned a new leaf from Texas. He had yeah. that one missed kick after, but that one was actually like pretty tough, like against Temple. Mm-hmm. It was maybe a 53-yarder, so that's not an easy or a, you know, like a gimme. Especially not in college, so I would say I def- I have a lot more confidence now in our kicking game. Yeah, it is pretty impressive that he didn't completely break down as a person in the <laughs> Texas game, because that does happen to kickers like, yeah, all the no, time. I believe Tulsa it. fans will know Daniel Schmidt. Horrible, horrible kicker. Um, I'm also going to go with Walker. Bennett had a decent game. He had like a 54.5-yard yeah. uh, punt average, yeah. but once again, he line-drived every single punt. Uh, and I mean, it's but not all of them were returned this time. And Nate Walker is at a disadvantage to him because his dad didn't play in the NFL. <laughs> so just genetically, he's right. less of a kicker and a ball player. So he, he's <laughs> overcome that to make four field goals this game. And I have to give him props for that. It's fair. Yeah. yeah. It's generous of you. I'm a generous man. All right. I think it's time for Matt's depressing okay, stat first, of the week. Maybe say, not. I just want to say, like, my favorite. That's so play. rude just to cut him <laughs> off like that. Sorry. I was going to talk about this with the defensive, but I just this was like a really funny moment in the game. And so one of the announcers, I'm going to say it was Greg McElroy, just because Pat hates that it's guy. McElroy, guys. McElroy. Okay. Greg McElroy. That guy. So I know <laughs> Pat doesn't like him, and so I'm going to say it was him. But it was at one point, Cooper came out of the game because he was like hurt or he like had a cramp or something. So he came out for a little bit. And so Collins oh. came in, yeah. and they were like... Collins did not come in. Collins is a starter. They brought in number 30 on defense. Okay. I don't know his name off the top of my head. Uh, okay. Something right. 
Jay yeah. Wright. Okay, but yeah. they well, okay. Then they were talking about Collins right after. Well, because they were wrong. Like, first Co- Collins is going to have to lead the defense, and he's a freshman, and so you know you're going to have issues because freshmen can't communicate. <laughs> they were wrong in so many factors. <laughs> and it was that, and then it was they also said, yeah, and you know, like Applewhite's not going to let any more turnovers happen this game. And yeah. then, like, it was a perfect confluence yeah. right. as they threw a pick like immediately to Collins. To Collins. Yeah, it was great. But the other thing was they were calling the plays through 30. You could see it. He was the one at the line calling it. Collins plays outside linebacker. 30 came in to play middle What Edmonds in plays. Yeah. And so he was just so wrong in every single way. Like, yeah, what kind of coach is like, okay, no more turnovers. Like, oh, coach said it, so we can't do it anymore. Oh, shucks. Yeah, it was, that was just like a perfect moment of that game. It was great. Yeah, it was great. I hate Major Applewhite just as, I mean, I don't hate him as a person. I really just hate his attitude on the on Is the he field. not? You gotta, you gotta like, you, give in to the hate. <laughs> if you told somebody, like, this guy's name is Major Applewhite, and you told them he wasn't a Civil War general. They'd, they'd be <laughs> yeah. honestly shocked. Uh, now, now it is time for Matt's depressing stat of the week. The rudest segment ever, apparently. Matt's depressing stat of the week. Okay, so this week, uh, just first off, this is not the depressing stat of the week, but this was the first time we didn't lose the turnover battle since our game against South Florida last week or last year. <laughs> Um, we didn't win the turnover battle. We tied them. We both had three turnovers this game. So that's, I guess, six games where we've lost it consecutively. What was so, our third turnover? All I can think of are the two fourth quarter ones. Hobbs' fumble in the first first half. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bummer. Um, and so originally that was going to be my depressing stat, but I didn't think that was, like, exciting enough. Not depressing kind of, enough. Yeah. yeah, it's just not very fun. So it's like, probably made good. me think. made me think. It's like, well... So, even though we tied them, we don't use, like, we don't take advantage of the turnovers we cause nearly as much as the opponents do. So, this season, we've had 16 turnovers, which is still tied for the most turnovers given up in the country. Uh, We're actually only 126th in the country for turnover margin at minus 7. We lead the league in something. That's good. (laughs) Yeah. And so, off of this, our opponents have scored 69 points off of turnovers. Nice. Very in five games. And so our turnover our turnover like points allowed per game is thirteen point eight points per game allowed. Our average loss margin in our four losses, eleven point two five. So looking at that, I mean we're part of the reason we're losing is because there's like a two and a half point difference between the points we're giving up on turnovers versus how much we're losing by. And so that's my depressing stat is that we're giving up more points than our average Lost mark. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. So we should be undefeated. In th- yeah, if you in go theory. by if you go by the just law by the averages, average. yeah. yeah. I mean, the one I think the only game where we wouldn't have lost is this one. Or we would still have lost because we lost by more than we lost yeah. by fifteen instead of fourteen. But I mean, who knows what happens? But yeah. So we give up more points on turnovers than we lose by. Dude, it's awful, and it wasn't like. We did much better at all this game. We still threw a pick. We still had two fumbles. One of them was lost. Maybe we had more than two fumbles. And the three turnovers we forced, what did we score off those this game? The three? The, uh, what did we score, like six points six or nine points? points. Six. Yeah. Two field goals. Which I'll talk about more uh, when we get to the five factors. Like We had good field position in the first half because of those turnovers. And we just did not take advantage yeah. of them. Yeah. So, yep, that's, that's it for me. Our ball security's got to get better. I mean, they had the whole bye week to talk about this for two weeks. How do you? I don't know how coaches like teach that. If there's a drill where they run and you just freaking beat them while they're running with the ball or something, but well, I mean, you gotta do like a what's his face, Donald Faison in River Titans, literally make them carry around the ball everywhere they go. Let's do it, man. Yeah, I'm all for that. It's not working so far though. Maybe we're not doing that. That's, that's, that's probably why. Yeah. Free advice there, Philip. <laughs> um, okay, I'll do my tweet of the week. I picked from a bunch of them. There are a bunch of really good tweets this week, especially during the Houston game. Lots of really great ones there. Uh, but the one I picked is from Mallory Neff, and she said, at Mallory underscore Aaron. And she said, quote, nothing is worse than at no soul Cole, who is our tight end Cole Neff. Nothing is worse than at no soul Cole waving to motorcyclists from his scooter. It's not the same, Cole. And I love that. <laughs> I, uh, I can picture his flowing long hair, riding in a scooter, waving to the motorcyclist passing by, and it's hilarious. 
Cool enough can fit in with any crowd anywhere. <laughs> yeah, those motorcyclists should be jealous. I think so too. Big fan. It was awesome. He's the flowing locks of Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's gonna like listen to this and be like, "What the hell are these guys <laughs> talking yeah. about?" Uh, this is the podcast. Three guys in love with Cold Nav. Cold Nav, come be a guest. <laughs> All right. Do we want to do a bingo card recap, Pat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, once again. No bingo, sadly, sadly. Close, though. Got close, though. A couple threes. Um, let's see. Did they mention the 50th anniversary of the 106 loss to Houston? They did that in the pregame show, so, like, right away. Yeah. Um, Ed Oliver's NFL future mentioned. That did happen a lot. Yep. We forgot to put on here, uh, put a bingo anytime Ed Oliver's riding a horse, <laughs> which I didn't know until I watched. They showed a lot. I know that was his thing. Um, they mentioned Dr. Phil. Um, Boomer starts. We made two field goals. Didn't miss two field goals, so that was cool. Um, really could have crossed that off twice because we made four. So, um, broadcast mentions Thomas Bennett's dad, which they do it every single time. That's the one. That's been the most consistent one. Yeah, I think so. And I had no idea who this guy was until Thomas Bennett played at Tulsa. I'm not. I'm not big on '90s punters, so <laughs> sorry. Um, refs' mics didn't work, which was actually a long shot considering it wasn't at TU, but it still <laughs> sure. happened. So you know, good for them. Um, president comes in for a red zone. He did come in, and he actually got positive yards this time, so it was a good thing. Um, QB controversy mentioned. They did that. Uh, did they mention OU or OC for no reason? They did do that too, according to one of our followers. We, I think it was on the pregame show because they kept talking about some OU, OU tech that's coming up. Yeah, I missed it, but I guess it happened. We, it happened. We got to say it did. Um, everyone on offense looks to the sideline. That did happen. Happened a couple times. Um, and that was it. Still, I'm kind of surprised. Since we started doing this, they have not mentioned that TU is the smallest D1 school. So oh, yeah. Which is surprising because ESPN is always the one to do it. Yeah. It's like almost always in a graphic where they do that and it's like us. Yeah. And then Rice is next in the list. And then... It's probably a better chance of that happening at a home game maybe. Yeah. Because they probably talk about so, the home school. They also did not. First we got close. They yeah. did not. So this is another one. It could have been interesting. They did not say that uh, Chandler Miller has started every game of his career. But at one point they did say Chandler Miller has started forever. Yeah. It was no, close. it does not count. <laughs> they did say it verbatim. <laughs> verbatim. He has started every game. So some good ones that didn't happen. There's no fair catch within the 10-yard line. They did not play natural by Imagine Dragons. No, they did. On commercial. Yeah, that's the only time they're going to play it. Nah, it's like the it's like the intro song too. It, they could play it at different I'm points. Gonna, I'm, gonna put the, I'm gonna protest that one. I have to revisit this. Well, you know what? Talk to my attorney, Matt. <laughs> um, no, what else? Uh, yeah, those are the only two really that were positive no, that didn't no happen. No missed field goals. No missed. That's the other one. No missed field goals. Yeah, we did not miss a field goal. That was awesome. Uh, some sad ones that didn't happen. They did not say I love Lamp, and Brooks did not jump into an offensive lineman's hurt cut arms because he was hurt. I, I don't think they're going to say I love Lamp. I don't either. I think that, that one might need to be retired. If Devin Lamp has a big <laughs> game again like he did kind of that one time. He only had the block punt. That was the only No, he had a sack. He had a sack. He had a sack one time. <laughs> and then the next play he got held. Wasn't that the one time they said it wasn't a sack? No, it was a sack. Yeah. I don't know if that was the time <laughs> controversy. I think I'm on Matt's side on this one. I think we got to retire the I we'll love Lance. Because even what if, if he has a great game, like let's say he has like 20 sacks, I don't think the announcer will say, I love Lamp. I like <laughs> literally don't think that's possible. It's possible. I believe. <laughs> Very unlikely. So maybe one I'll replace it with is if they show Christian Williams just going crazy on the sideline because they show him a lot um, with his sunglasses on on the sideline yeah. just cheering on the team. <laughs> Christian Williams wears sunglasses at night. That's a good one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that. Some ones we'll probably do for the next game will definitely be uh, Charlie Strong, coach to Texas. He's the head coach of South Florida. They're definitely going to mention that. And that Blake Barnett used to play for Alabama for Nick Saban. That's going to be a big thing, too. Definitely got to throw in. They show some sort of footage of Route 66. And, oh, it's a home game, yeah. Yeah, cause it's, and they show the library. Cause those are 100% yeah, bring the home one today. 100%, Matt. 100%. You, bet, you bet your life. You bet the dog bed? I'm not, I'm not betting the dog bed. Those are for like. Those, You'd rather, those are sacred things. You'd rather bet your life than sleeping in a dog bed? I never bed. said I was going to bet my life. I mean, you do have a, a segment called Matt's Depressing Side of the Week, but yeah. man, I think it's that bad. <laughs> I just. I'm, per, I'm pretty confident about it. Okay, okay. Well, that's it for the bingo segment.
All right, uh, so we'll go ahead and we'll get back or start up with the five factors. We haven't talked about it in two weeks because we didn't have a game last week. Uh, so one thing that I want to try and do differently this week is to like incorporate you guys in it more because I think it's just been me kind of droning about advanced stats, which you I have think, a beautiful voice, man. This is usually when I go to the, when I go to the bathroom. <laughs> weird. Yeah, and so I mean I could talk about advanced stats forever if I, you know, if I had to. Um, so, I don't, so, yeah. so I don't mind, but I figured it might be more fun to get you guys just to talk about some stuff too. Um, so I'm going to do efficiency last because that one's the most complicated. So I'm going to go... What page are you on, teacher? I am on the other five factors. It should be page four. Thank you. All right, so we'll go field position. We'll break it down half by half. So first half, we started with an average field position of 37.9. Just call it 38 if you want to. They started on their 30. So we had better field position. This is like one of the few things we actually won this game was first half field position. Um, I would be able to know for sure, except my printer uh, ran out of color <laughs> ink. So Classic. So, so everything's gray, so I can't <laughs> actually read the boxes, like what color it's supposed to be. This week's scapegoat of the week is Matt's printer. Yeah. And so we had really good field position in the first half because thanks to our turnovers, but, I mean, I'll talk about it more in finishing drives. We ended up kicking field goals. We didn't come away with touchdowns. And that's really what kind of killing us is, like, not being able to convert on turnovers because Lord knows we're, like, giving up points on turnovers at this point. Yep. So that really flipped in the second half uh, thanks to our turnovers. They gave Houston field position on their 40, and we started on our 27. So a difference of about, you know, 13 yards there. So they definitely took advantage of it, as we've talked about over and over again. They scored 24 points in the fourth quarter alone. Nothing in the third. Like, we dominated the third. And so their really good field position was kind of on their last couple drives, but they really made it count. And so, uh, end of the game, they won 35-33, to if you round up. And so, relatively close. I mean, you're still expected to lose at that point. Um, I mean, you guys kind of got to – do you get get the sense that we were losing field position? Well, throughout? after those two turnovers – no, it really changed once they had those two turnovers and started inside our 20. Yeah, I don't know. I was just – I was feeling nervous like the whole game, just that at some point Houston was just going to destroy us. It finally happened in the fourth quarter. Yeah. But that's just it, didn't, it, it didn't happen the way you expected. I know. Yeah, absolutely not. It wasn't like their offense just exploded. They had, did have the De'Ara King long run, but – Outside that, it w- I was just nervous they were just going to kill us the whole game. It makes sense. Happened. I mean, it's kind of just like, how much of like a horseshoe up his ass could Skip Pregnant Boomer have the whole game with all those like dropped interceptions yeah, right. and the Keenan Johnson knee out of bounds thing? Right. Like, eventually, we we're going to have to turn the ball over. Like, yeah. How many we, they just like, missed? Is he Irish? Do we know that? Who? Boomer? Oh. <laughs> Cannot <laughs> confirm. I don't know. Yeah. Can't confirm That's either. Cool. Um, all right, so looking on explosiveness, first half, they were 6.8 yards per play. We were 5.2. Second half, they were 7.4. We were 4.5. So overall, 7.0 yards per play for Houston, 4.8 yards per play for us. That was actually surprising to me because I thought, you know, with that third quarter, we would be a much more explosive team in the second half, but we were actually less. And I think it just goes to show that our drives in the second half were – longer drives mm-hmm. um, that, you know, they're like marches to touchdowns as opposed to in the first half, Boomer had a lot of, you know, like that first touchdown was a 37-yard bomb, right. and he had like a 37, a 26, a 19. He had a, a lot of big passes in the first half, which made us more explosive. I think we relied more on our run game on that, those second drive, those second, like third quarter drives, and so that's going to like lower your explosiveness if you're getting like five, six yards per run, but you're not really getting the deep passes. And so that makes sense. Uh, and I felt like Houston, a lot of times they were beating us. They were beating us on the, like, big plays. Like the 61-yard, and then they had a couple, like, deep passes that just kind of burned us. And so they also had short field, which means, you know, easier to go across. Uh, turnovers. We won the first half. We had one turnover just on that Justin Hobbs uh, fumble. They had three turnovers. They had the two picks and the fumble, which, fun fact, ESPN play-by-play online sucks because um, I was looking through their plays, and it's like, all right, interception, fumble, fumble. I was like, all right, one of those isn't right. So I like checked the fumble, and it said the last play of that 
drive was, you know, Derek King throws the ball, intercepted. And I was like, why do you have fumble if it's intercepted? <laughs> yeah. it, it was like, took me a while to find that. And so, you know, I felt like that was why we were only down. What were we down in the first half? Sorry. sorry. Too many pieces of paper. Yeah, so we were only down 17-13 in the first half because our turnovers weren't weren't putting the game away for us. Second half, we had the two turnovers. That's when we put the game away for Houston. So actually ended up tied. Zero turnovers uh, was the margin. So three on each side. Difference being that we, we scored... Actually, we actually only scored three points off the turnovers. One of them, I think we went for it on fourth down, and we, we stalled on their 40. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, and so we got three points off turnovers, and they got 14. And so that's a huge difference in the game. Finishing drives, this is the one that kind of just burned us. We were better than them in the first half, marginally. Uh, we scored four points. Actually, we had the same, like, we scored a touchdown and two field goals in each half. So we were actually very consistent on three drives in each half. No turnovers, which is great. We scored every time we were inside the 40. We're just settling for too many field goals. So we averaged 4.3 in the first half, second half, and for the final. Houston was 4.3 in the first half, technically 4.25. I just rounded up. So we beat them, barely. Second half, they were averaging six points. And then in the final, they averaged 5.13. And so just looking at that, we had six trips into the 40, we had two touchdowns, four field goals, zero turnovers. And so a couple of those field goals were pretty short, like on Mm -hmm. Houston's 15 or on their 19. And, I mean, to not come away with with big points there really hurts us. And so this is our best game in that we scored. I think it's the only time this season we've scored every time we were in there. But we're just, like, giving up too many trips to the opponent where they're scoring. Because they had eight trips in. For five touchdowns, two field goals, and one turnover. And so the fact that they're scoring five touchdowns is what kills us. If we <laughs> hold them to field goals, that's a lot better for us, obviously. But they're just, like, we need to convert more of our possessions into into touchdowns. And so, all right, get back, get to the most confusing one, the efficiency. Uh, and, again, that's just looking at, every play, determining whether or not it is a success or a failure based on criteria that you make 50% of your yardage on first down, 75 or 70% on second down, and then you convert on third or fourth down. So we'll go through Tulsa first in the first half. Not very good. Actually, like abysmal. So on first down, we were 21% successful. On second down, we were 15%. Third down, we were 27 And fourth down, we were 50 so our efficiency at the end of the first half was only 23%. And so that's kind of like I found where where the uh, where SB Nation posts all their like box scores for and like their just season rankings for every team online. And so I was like digging through Tulsa stats. We were one of the worst teams in the country. Actually ranked 128, which I think is there's only 129. I don't know. For some reason, NCAA only lists like 129 teams, not 130. But huh. We're 128th in the country in first downs off of first or second down plays. So <laughs> a majority of our like first our third our conversions to like another set of downs is from third, which we're good on third downs. We're like I want to say top 20 in the country on third down conversions, but we're just really bad on first and second down because probably it's actually pretty impressive for how many third downs we have. Yeah, and I. I would say it's probably because we're running a lot, and when you're running almost exclusively on first and second down, you're not really getting first downs on it. You're getting, like, yeah, short yardage-type situations. Because I think we're... Yeah, so it seems like it's just a natural cascade of first down, second down. Now we have, hopefully, third and short a lot of the time, and we yeah, can grind that out. Yeah, and I think out. we're actually, like... I was kind of surprised because I thought our third down average would be kind of long, but we're, like, 6.6 yards per third down attempt, which is 20th in the country. So okay. that's there like, you go. That's pretty good. But I guess Pat, as he was yelling at me about not having enough information on how many third downs, is like there could be a lot of teams like maybe Alabama who it's like how many times are they actually on third yeah, down? Yeah, right. Like they're getting all of their first downs on first and second down. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the first half we were very, yelling. very, <laughs> very inefficient in the first half, uh, which is why I felt that our offense, like didn't seem to be getting a lot of traction other than that first drive 
even though we did come away with 13 points. Well, I mean, their efficiency, their Houston's efficiency was like twice ours. Yeah. So going on to that, Houston first down in the first half. Houston was 47 percent in the first on first down, 43 on second, 44 on third, and then zero percent on fourth. But that that was just of that they went for it on fourth once and they didn't get it because we're one of the best teams on stopping fourth down in the country. Um, and so they, they ended with 44%, so almost doubling us, which is really bad. But we got really lucky on not having any turnovers, <laughs> other than not having any costly turnovers. Uh, Hobbs fumbled, but they didn't score on that one. And so we actually kept the game within four points. Second half, much better, much better on our side. We were 53% on first down, 33 on second, 42 on third, 50% on wow. fourth. And so we jumped up to 44%, which is a 21% bump. Yeah, that's Which crazy. is about the difference. What? No, sorry, go on. Oh. Um, that's like the difference between us and Houston the first half mm-hmm. is how we switched to the second half. But yet, <laughs> we turned the ball over twice right. inside our own 20. Yeah. And Houston was a little, still a little bit more efficient than we were. They were 54% on first down, 57% on second down. 0 for 3 on third down, so 0% there, and they didn't go for it on fourth down. So we didn't give up any third downs, but they were getting a lot of first downs on first and second. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I bet you they barely had, like, maybe one actual third down in the fourth quarter. They had three? Well, in the fourth quarter, I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know if they had any in the fourth quarter. That's what I'm thinking, because we had three and outs to start the 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 second half in the third quarter. Like, they did nothing in the third quarter. So all three of those three and outs... I think came in the third, third quarter, and yeah, then they that didn't even sense. have. That, that's kind of crazy. They didn't even get the third down in the fourth <laughs> quarter. Yeah, which makes sense because their two scoring drives after the turnovers were the both on the first play. Yeah, it was got it. it was crazy. Yeah, so one of those third downs was on a. Yeah, one of them was in the fourth quarter. The other two in the third quarter. So just, yeah, so they beat us. So in, the final numbers, we were thirty nine percent on first. 25 on second, 35 on third, 50 on fourth. They were 50% on first, 48% on second, 33 on third, and zero on fourth. And so uh, the final total numbers, they were 45%, we were 34. And so that difference margin of 11% means on average that you're going to lose by around 17, somewhere between like 16.2 and like 21.6. Uh, so we were pretty close to that um, this time, which so our like actual loss by 15 points is actually pretty close to what would be expected by that. But it was still below. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think the big thing, kind of like just to explain why I think these numbers are a big deal, because I know I just mentioned a lot of percentages, which people are probably like not able to follow 100%. Over the course of the season, I think we're showing that our first and second down efficiency, like our success rate, is not great. Yep. And the third down one isn't, like, you can't rely on just third downs to mm-hmm. get first downs. Because, I mean, you're not, I mean, third down generally isn't, it's generally lower success rate than the other two to begin with. It's just a lot of teams have lower ones. That's why we're, like, better in the nation is because we happen to have, like, an abnormally large one. But we can't rely on that. We've got to be more successful in first and second down, which is why I think that we need to pass more. I'm mean, yeah, going to keep the, harping on that. I wish. These numbers just back up what we thought. Like, yeah. me and Token thought this before we saw them. Like, people know we're going to run, and they're going to defend that. We have to take more chances passing on first and second down. You know what happens is, if you, that's so, like, it's, I feel like Montgomery, if he passes on first and it doesn't work, then he's like, oh, shit, and runs it doesn't do as well then that gets in a third and long or like he's just I, for some reason why well, not for some reason it's because it, it's i think not the way we do first and second where we run so much to show is he doesn't really trust our quarterback yeah it could be which isn't like completely unreasonable considering it's his first ever game right yeah but it, it seems like the fact that we had the most passing that's what i was just had all say. season yeah. means that i felt like he did have trust in him it's just he didn't trust him until, like, third down. Third down. Long. That's yeah. true. Right. And so, like, yeah. There was – I will – okay, I made – I had, I had a post-it note true. at work, and I lost it, but I'm going to try – I texted a picture of it to you guys, and so I'm going to try and uh, pull that up real quick. 
because I like made it a little. I have like all these tallies and X's, uh, which is where I like marked. All right, did they run or did they pass? And so there's like a bunched up group where we had like two X's next to each other, which means we passed it on the first down twice in a row. <laughs> we scored a touchdown on that drive. That yeah, was our best nice. drive. That was like the touchdown yeah, that we a, scored in the third quarter. That's unbelievable. And I was like, yes, that's that's the point. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, we like we scored on a run, but it, I mean that's what we do. But like. Passing on first down works. Right. No, we. De- I think we're all in agreement. We should definitely pass on first down more, because yeah. the hey, we're gonna run it seventy five percent of the time offense doesn't work because they know you're gonna run it seventy five percent of the time. Yeah. Yep. I would like to see a change there as well. So we've got South Florida coming up um, on Friday. Another not Saturday game. That's the third one in a row, which is nuts. But it is on. I think it's on ESPN Normal again. Prime time, right? Yeah, prime time, guys. Yeah. I mean, what else is ESPN gonna show on Friday? I've, yeah, they're gonna show us like playing bowling. playing no, the no undefeated action. Bulls, five and zero, undefeated, number twenty three. So first ranked opponent of the year because Texas wasn't ranked when they played us, right? No, because they were zero and one. Yeah. Oh yeah, we were the second game of the year. So yeah, first ranked game for us, uh, which is really fun. Five and zero South Florida. Um, they've got Charlie Strong as their head coach, who used to coach at Texas, and got fired. Uh, that does but, not count for the bingo. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, used to coach at Texas. They also had this. They have this guy on their team who I had never heard of before last week. Uh, his name is Jordan Cronkite, and he broke the American Conference single game rushing yard record last game for them. So I don't know what the yardage was there, uh, but they were playing UMass, who was an independent. Um, they're not in a conference, and they they just destroyed them in the run game. So what is our what's our run defense ranking? I know it's not as good yeah, as our not, passing one. Uh, yeah. I think it's in the. I looked at it for the game, but I think it's in the top 100. Okay. <laughs> I think it's like in the somewhere in the 70s, maybe. Yeah. So that's concerning because they've got like clearly they have a running game that's going to be tough to stop. But on on the upside, I. I'm of the opinion that South Florida is not that good. They're five and zero, but they the teams that they've played and how they've beaten them it's not very convincing. They beat Elon first game of the season by twenty. Okay. Elon Musk. Yes, Elon Musk came out on the field by himself and they beat him by only twenty points. See, you're, you're proving my point. Uh, so <laughs> he's just a smart and cool guy. I mean, it's hard to beat him in that kind of environment. It's probably true. Uh, then they played two Power Five teams in a row. They beat them both but not convincingly and not very good Power 5 team. So Georgia Tech, they won by 11. And Illinois, they only won by 6. Illinois, neither of those teams are, are very great. Uh, the next week after that, they play East Carolina, who is, at that time, either worst or second worst, and the conference probably still is. They only beat them by 7. Then this last week, they play UMass, and UMass is terrible. Um, they put up 58 points on them, but they allowed 42 from UMass. In Massachusetts, though, right? Yeah. But not a not a great showing. I think we'll get to predictions. I think we're gonna win this game. I don't think wow. South Florida's very good. I think this is gonna be the win. I think Boomer is gonna have the breakout game, and I think we get the dub. What do you guys think? I think we lose. I think South Florida. They remind me of us, except a better version of us. They they seem to be a run first type offense with a quarterback who is the like third best quarterback in the conference behind Milton and Derek King by yards per game. Yep. You, you look like you're going to vomit again. But I'm not a big Blake Barnett fan. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we're going to lose. Um, I just, yeah. I, we played them tough last year. We only lost by seven. Um, but I don't see us winning this year. I, we could. I, I definitely think we could if we don't you know, give up the ball. But we haven't proven that we can do that yet. <laughs> and so I think we'll lose. I think it'll be, it'll be interesting. It's, it all comes down to whether or not we can stop the run game, which we haven't done super well. And so the question is, are we going to like bring more of our linebackers up as opposed to putting them in the pass, like to block the pass passing game? Or are we even going to bring in go back to having four defensive linemen and take that extra safety off the field. Right. Yeah. That's yeah, that's the thing that scares me. It seems like this is a team that can beat you on the ground if they want to, but then they can also beat you in the air if they need to. But teams can't beat us in the air because we have the 15th best passing defense. But they can beat us on the ground, and they have, teams <laughs> have done that so far. 
But it's like it's weird. They're not they're not beating anybody by a lot of points. Their biggest win is Elon, the first game of the year. They're the biggest margin of victory is twenty points. The other their other games are all within fifteen, I think. So even though TU doesn't have the most raucous crowds, it is a comfort zone for Boomer. He knows Skelly Stadium. It's not gonna be like a road environment. So I think that is obviously to his advantage and to our advantage. So I think it's more likely that Boomer plays better than he does worse in this game than he did against Houston, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I could definitely actually see Boomer having like a two, three touchdown game and throw for like 250. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how their defense ranks and everything. I know they have a better defense than Houston because Houston has a bad defense. But I don't know. I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be – I'm really excited for this game. I think it's going to be a win. What do you think score-wise? I'm going to go TU 33 USF twenty nine. What's the spread? Seven and a half. Right yeah. now it's only seven and a half. Yeah. Um, and TU has covered six out of eight. The last six out of eight as underdogs. So if you have a gambling addiction, bet on TU. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll beat the spread, but I think we'll lose. I think we'll lose twenty seven to twenty four. Dang, I was gonna say twenty eight twenty four, but I'll, I'll stick with it. But that's the Tulsa's on the winning side of that one. So say Tulsa wins 28-24. Oh, yeah, we have the listener question. Dang. Okay, so uh, Tulsa follower Dan Houston tweeted at us asking whether we're done with Montgomery. He feels like he's underachieved and wants to know each of our thoughts on the Montgomery situation. So what do you guys think? Are you finished with Montgomery? you think he's fired after this year? Do you want him to be fired after this year? I definitely think this was his worst coach game, the last one. Uh, no, I don't think he should be fired after this year. I definitely think the game against Houston was one of his worst coach games because uh, just of some of the play calling and the whole Taylor situation. But I think still with like the school situation, I don't think we're exactly in the situation to like get somebody better that I give him another year. But if he has another year like this, and like, like three years in a row like this, he should definitely be fired. Yeah, it's weird because it seems like a guy like Montgomery, you're not expecting to have the conversation of, should we fire him? Right. It would seem like it would be like, is he going to leave us for a bigger program? Mm-hmm. Which is what I was kind of like worried about after yeah. we won the Miami to, Beach Bowl. Absolutely. After that, he was the number one like yeah, he was, guy for like kind of like mid big five schools. He yeah. went from like the hot commodity to the hot seat <laughs> to underdog dynasty right now. Yeah. But I don't think we... Yeah, I So am I... I've been frustrated with some of his like his coaching decisions in the past. Um, I talked about like some of his clock management towards the end of games, especially last season in that game against Toledo and that game against New Mexico. They were games that I think if we had like called timeouts, we could have forced them to kick earlier and given us another shot. But we lost both games on you know, like field goals as time expired. So those are things that kind of stick with me. Um, because especially like this game, we called, we burned like our timeouts pretty early yep. in each half. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Which part of that is you maybe expect like a freshman quarterback, which I, I hate to keep using that as like an excuse, but like, you know, he might need to adjust or something like that. But you have those issues, and then some of the play calls just don't seem to be working right now in our favor. And our offense has gotten worse every year. Well, so it was peaked and then the last two years it's gotten worse and so I don't think he'll be fired but I would be very I don't know keep him on a short leash makes sense and I would like force him to take on somebody to help with the offense to improve it because if the offense isn't better next year he's for sure out like you can't have three like I don't know I, I think I still think we could win three or four games this year you don't do that three years in a row yeah. and keep your job, even at Tulsa. Yeah, I agree. Um, I I don't think he will be, and I hope he is not fired at the end of this year. Uh, I see why people want him to. We only gave Blankenship two bad years, and he was out. Um, but I don't know. It it's he's got. Uh, it feels to me like the offense has the pieces, and the defense has the pieces. We're just missing consistency at quarterback. And the play calls are, you know, they're they're not great a lot of the time, which is a certain downside. But take that out of the equation. He's recruiting pretty well, in my opinion. 
Um, it seems like we have the firepower. We just don't have the person to get them, get the ball to the players. And we might now in Boomer. And it also seems like a little bit to me that he holds on to player preferences for a long time. Like when we started Chad President, you could argue maybe that he should have kept the job for those first three games, but I think he had it for six games. And like a lot of other coaches, you pull the plug on that when you're 0-3 or whatever, 1-3. and um, But he got he did it a little earlier this year. It was our fourth game, I guess, fifth game. Uh, but it seems like he, he gets the, his favorite guys and he tries really hard to make them good and stick with them. Uh, but it, sometimes it's just too late to do that. Uh, so I don't like that about it. But I think we do have the pieces there for him to really turn a corner, especially with Zach Smith coming in next year. I'm sure he has a lot of high hopes for him. If Boomer's doing well at the end of the season, maybe Boomer keeps it. But I think that's the only piece missing. Um, I would like to see an offensive coordinator. Uh, so I'll just leave that there and see what happens. But that would be nice. I will say maybe our expectations of how quickly we assume these quarterbacks are going to be good is maybe a little like too much. Because a lot of times a school like Tulsa, I know we're in like the strongest uh, power or group of five, power six, like weakest power six <laughs> conference. Um, and so, you know, maybe we have a better, fo- uh, I don't know, a better football pedigree, but, you know, like we expect to be better more consistently. But a lot of times, smaller schools, it takes a while. Like your quarterback's got to be in your system for a while before they start doing well. And so that's just my thought is like we really Montgomery inherited Dane Evans from Blankenship. And I think part of the reason Montgomery gets more opportunities, he has a stronger pedigree than Blankenship, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially like he was at Baylor, which was really good offensively when he was there. And so he has the capabilities to like be really well. Right. But we haven't he hasn't really been able to either have time to have a quarterback be consistent because we played three since Dane left. And so I'm not saying we should have stick, stuck with all of them, but, I mean, there there's a chance that you know, once he finds it, he's going to turn it around. Well, can he develop a quarterback? That's yeah. the one thing he hasn't done. Because, I mean, right. I'd say the only one who has had the time and hasn't is President. Because President came in as, like, a raw athlete, and he's shown he can run and all that. I but mean, he, Skipper, Skipper has had the time to develop. Absolutely. He said two years, yeah. So really, yeah, President and to an extent Skipper have both failed. So in the developmental stage, and that a lot of that's on Montgomery. So we'll see. Is if Boomer or Smith, like two the next really two quarterbacks he has, if either of those guys can be successful, then that's probably what will save his job. Agreed. All right, we'll close it out there. Um, if you have feedback for the show or anything you want us to talk about, you can connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Golden Hurricast. Or you can shoot us an email at thegoldenhurricast at gmail.com. Also remember to subscribe on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will talk to you next week. Stay golden. Hurricane.